It's Six Pack Double Feature. Two friends, two movies, two mics, and too many beers. They watch, they drink, they talk, you listen. Today, Nathan and Travis relive old childhood memories with Masters of the Universe and G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. It's not all fun and games, kids. At the far end of the universe, there is a planet ruled by a being of utter evil. And there is only one man who dares challenge him. They are locked in a battle to the death. A battle that will take them across the heavens. Stop him! A battle that will finally be fought. I want them to get down and draw to me! Across the face. Police! Nobody move! Of Earth. I think I'm gonna need some backup. From a distant galaxy, they have come to Earth. Dolph Lundgren as He-Man. Frank Langella as Skeletor. Only they have the powers to be. Masters of the Universe. Live the adventure. Wow. So there you have it. Masters of the Universe. That's, uh, that's how we're kicking off this episode. Thrilling action adventure. Uh, welcome in, kids, kitties, parents, to uh, Six Pack Double Feature, the uh, the show where we watch movies and then talk about them and drink and drink some beer. Uh, I'm Travis. I'm Nathan. And that was the trailer for <laughs> <laughs> the 1987 classic Canon, cinema. The the <laughs> Canon at their peak. Canon Films. First of all, gang, if you. Uh, you don't know anything about Canon Films? There's a great documentary on Netflix, or it was. It still is. I uh, watched it again about two weeks ago. Called Electric Boogaloo. And it's amazingly... Watch that, and then, it's pretty then you fun. might not... Recognize most of the movies. <laughs> but you also might not judge Masters of the Universe so harshly. You also will look at Counselor Troy from Star Trek in a whole new light. <laughs> yeah. So, uh... It's a first, <laughs> straight away... Watching this movie, my first impression was, uh, wow, way to rip off Superman's theme. Uh, yeah, the the credits and the music. Yeah. The way the credits come in Flying and Superman, it's like, I got this great idea. All the letters come in like Superman. I'm like, so you want us to rip off Superman? What no, no, like Superman. Just so make... you want us to rip off Superman? No, no, the, the credits come in like Superman. So you want us to rip off Superman? Yeah, okay, rip off Superman. Yeah, just go rip off Superman. Just, don't, <laughs> just be quiet about it. Just be quiet about it. We're two Israelis that don't really know much about <laughs> But damn it, they tried. Bless their hearts, they tried. and They, they tried really hard with this movie. They, uh... I will give them credit that they really tried hard with this piece of crap. So a bit of backstory. <laughs> I'd like to... Oh. I, I have a... Uh, what are you drinking, by the way? Well, this is a movie of um, things from my youth, so I'm drinking the beer I drank when I was a kid. I'm drinking Newcastle. Batting <laughs> 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 oh. um, a little cleanup in the fridge today, so it's uh, it's Newcastle right now. Um, what, are you, uh, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking some uh, Sierra Nevada. Uh, drinking the... Seems appropriate, since this is our second episode... We're uh, going right back in. It's Otra Vez. Oh, the Otra Vez again. Which, yeah. uh, which stands for once again, or one more, or again, or, oh God, we're watching what movies? <laughs> Masters of the Universe. 
and G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. <laughs> I, you're, you're a bit older than me, Nathan, not by much, but um, just enough on that, uh, what do you want to say, evolutionary societal ladder that you had, I think, sort of... The He-Man toys and the G.I. Joe toys were just a little... You were a little old for those. Yeah, I mean, I, if I remember more of anything, it was G.I. Joe over He-Man. I sure. think with with the house that I grew up in, and He-Man was a little too on the nose for excuse me, sorcery, and it looks like their main villain is a skeleton, and I don't know if I want my kid watching this, but I don't know if I ever had much interest in it to begin with, and I don't right. know what influenced the other and so he-man was mm. gi joe i had a little bit of gi joe i remember watching the cartoons of fair enough when i was a kid that is more memorable and then of course transformers which we don't really cover in this anyway but those were those were the iconic sure of it yeah of the, 80s the, the which came first the toy or the show you know it's the most of these it's the toy yeah right um that's I, I have in my basement presently a, a cubic yard of uh, plastic <laughs> shaped like various different mythological He-Man characters and G.I. Joes. My, my parents probably spent a fortune on that crap for me when I was a kid. And I tried to do them a solid of still having them. Some of the cooler ones I have up and around. Um, but I was a huge He-Man fan when I was a kid. Um, and by the time this movie had come out, I was starting to come out of that Starting to be more of a a child, not a not a more of a kid, not a child. Yes. You know, and as were most kids in America. And the idea behind this was they were trying to re kind of revamp that that uh, hysteria. He Man was huge. The cartoon and the toys were huge, and it, it started to kind of falter. Mattel it started to kind of lose money with it. So they thought they would make a they would they would rejuvenate it and make a live action movie. Yeah, it kind of hit, like, on the downslope of the popularity of He-Man. Yeah. Not, it did not. I think they said that, I think what I was starting to research, see, because, I mean, I remember this movie coming out. I know for a fact I did not see this in the theaters. Oh, I did. Because I did not I care. Did. Well, you were you were a, a few years younger than I was, and especially so. A dork. Yeah, that too, but <laughs> I was trying to be nice. Uh, <laughs> 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 um I know I didn't see it in theaters. I probably caught it on cable at some point, mm -hmm. but I was just like, uh, "This seems stupid." <laughs> I remember with the when the trailer had come out. My I was in another room, and my mom hollered at me from the living room where it was on. She was like, "Hey, Trav, come take a look at this." She said, "What do you think this is?" And I was like, "And it was that scene of Skeletor walking through his mall and uh, <laughs> his cloak behind him." And I was like, "Another Star Wars?" <laughs> yeah. And she said, no, no, look. And then it was like, Masters of the Universe. And I wasn't like overly excited, but I was like, yeah, I'd like to see that. And uh, was I wrong? <laughs> was I wrong? I don't know. We'll sort 30, that out today. You got 30 years to think on it now. But the, uh, the first thing I noticed watching this is like, apart from the Superman ripoff, is Skeletor's guards look like some sort of cult that worships Darth Vader. And have fashioned their costumes, I guess. To, the guards? To, yeah, yeah, to look like Darth Vader clones. Um, 
Who was the toy manufacturer? Was it Hasbro? Mattel. Or was it Mattel. Mattel. <laughs> Apparently, Mattel came down and said He Man can't kill anybody other, than, and that's why they changed all the guards to like robot clone things. Uh-huh. That's if you notice. I did not notice that. That's... Other than other than the fact that He Man is the worst swordsman I've ever seen wield a sword. Like, how much did that film, thing? How much did that thing weigh? Not enough. Not enough. That, I mean, <laughs> how much cocaine does Dolph Lundgren have, have to, to do, do to be able to lift that sword? That's the question. That's the real problem. Here. Well, look, he is clearly not uh, into maybe, it. <laughs> well, he's he's clearly built, but has no skill as a swordsman or an actor. I, I mean, did they hand him the sword three about three minutes before they started shooting? Going, by the way, you're using this. Well, it was canon, so the sword probably wasn't ready yet. So. <laughs> They probably had to shoot for half a day before it was ready. <laughs> we'll just shoot around it. We'll just shoot, around <laughs> it. shoot around it. So the I'll take the plot on this one. Oh. <laughs> the basic plot of Masters of the Universe is Skeletor is trying to take over Castle Grayskull again. Um, Why? They never really Isn't say. It on the Just edge a, of like the universe and controlling lust the for lust for power. power. Um, there's some sort of sesquicentennial eclipse, eclipse or something that's going to happen at Moonrise, and he's he stormed Castle Grayskull. I put the sorceress in some sort of cryostasis chamber. He has use of um, this cosmic key, which opens and closes. It's a MacGuffin, is what it is. It, it's, it, it allows him to travel from point A to point B through space and time. And they omitted a classic He-Man character named Orko, which is like a wizard, and replaced it with <laughs> Billy Barty and a strange little dwarf Ewok, but he's wise, he's a key maker costume. And he makes the key, and He-Man and his, and his, and his folks find Gwildor, use the key, and they end up in New Jersey. Is it New Jersey? Maybe, or, no, 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 no. It's California. They, that's right. Jersey. Like she wants to go to New Jersey. The class. The uh, the. Classic. I misunderstood that plot point even because it's. I swear it seemed like they were in New Jersey or the way they were. Yeah, I always thought it was. And then watching it, I was like, "Wow, that's interesting that they have palm trees in New Jersey." Well, that happens in a lot of movies, though. Yeah, that does happen in a lot of movies, but um, you know, they they. But that was her goal. Was she was finishing up? <clears throat> talk about. Like, not allowing a lot of time frame between finishing her final shift at, was it Billy's Barbecue? Billy's Barbecue and Chicken or something. <laughs> finishing her last shift. Who is she, by the way? Going in. Who is she? Who is the she that you're talking oh, about? Oh, we're talking about Courtney Cox. Oh, playing Julie. <laughs> yeah, Courtney Cox and her. Hit the brakes on that one. And her pre, her, her post Springsteen video pre Family Ties fame. And, yeah, that's right. That was Family Ties before she definitely had friends. Uh, I so forget about the. Family ties. She was Alex's girlfriend. Girlfriend, yeah. yeah. So they, he, he man and man at arms and uh, uh, Tila and Wildor teleport from Eternia because you want to get away from exotic places to shoot. You want to get somewhere where the budget is cheap and you can shoot anywhere in California as long as you got a permit. And if you don't have a permit, you can <coughs> let's shoot, go shoot in Whittier. You can fake it. Yeah. Thank you for the city of Whittier and the credits. So like a lot of, <laughs> like a lot of Canon movies, it starts off in this fantastical location and then really quickly they get you, they get you, they get you back to earth. 
And so He-Man and his friends are out of Earth, and it's a classic fish-out-of-water story. Because they all ended up in the same location, except the key which got thrown into a... seven miles away <laughs> from them, or 25 miles away from them. Away from them, yeah. Yeah. We meet Julie, whose parents have died. She's working her last shift at a terrible food restaurant. She's immediately going to... Uh, she's not going to go to graduation. She's going to she's going to go to the airport and fly to New Jersey. No, no, no. She's yeah. She's didn't she didn't her boyfriend, soon to be ex boyfriend, <laughs> going to take her to the airport? But didn't she have a sh- didn't he have a show first too? He, sound check. He had a sound oh, check. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was playing. Check. He was playing at the big graduation dance. Okay, so he had a sound might... check, and before they go to the sound check, she wants to go by and the, the cemetery. The, the, the cemetery, cemetery, real quick, because let's, let's get a quick cemetery visit in before. How soon did? Isn't there like a good time frame between like it was death? Eating. Hold on, between death and your headstone being ready, there's maybe, yeah, there's a bit of time. But if if that's your main problem with this movie, <laughs> <laughs> if you're picking apart that, I feel like it's I feel like it's let's a stop couple, talking now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's a few weeks between death and cemetery or uh, headstone. <laughs> but yeah, she they they have dinner in her in his van. And then they, oh, she brought a bucket of ribs. A bucket of ribs. Um, we had buckets of chicken where I grew up, but not buckets of ribs. Well. Um, so Kevin's a musician, and he finds the key in the cemetery, and he takes it to his buddy at the music store. Who automatically... Well, I love how, because it's he doesn't know what it is... It's Russian. It, or, no, first, he thinks it's Japanese. Oh, yeah. The cop thinks it's Russian. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that cop in a minute. <laughs> we'll forget that Principal Strickland thinks it's Russian. <laughs> Lupik, his name's Lupik. So he's he's dicking around with the keys, and he, he there's a big red button. It's like the final. You, you type in the coordinates, and you hit the button, and that's like, I want to go to the Caribbean. Enter. And it, that lets Skeletor see where the key is, so he sends his mercenaries. Uh, it's a really, really, really shitty It's like they took the worst selection of bounty Again. hunters that were searching... It's Star Wars. <laughs> For Han Solo, they took that lot and said, okay, I want those three, but worse. Give me the one with the broken arm. Give me the one with the eye patch because he spoke himself in the eye. And give me the one that's facing the wrong direction. Those are the ones I want to call my, quote, elite Force. mercenaries. And yes. I want to send them into completely uncharted territory to retrieve this MacGuffin. So they do, and... Um, they had a really good opportunity to use some. They really they tried to make this movie more serious than it should have been, and they, what they should have just done was done live action He Man movie with actual already established He Man characters. But they tried to create almost all new characters for this mercenary team, and the only one they had that was original was Beast Man, and he looked literally like a huge walking carpet, like with poop stains on it. That he <clears throat> did Beast Man talk in the cartoons. Yes. Yes. Apparently, he could not in this one because no. his suit would not allow him. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's. They said that he, one of the trivia bits that I found is they said that his his mouthpiece or jaw piece of the of his entire costume uh, kept his mouth open and it Fun. was filled with his own saliva, and it had to be emptied that he could not. That's like a, like a trombone. Yeah, that's, that's disgusting. Just, yeah, it didn't have a valve though. So. so they're at the they're at the high school and 
this is how elite their 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 Skeletor's fighting forces. Julie takes them down. Julie is is Monica Courtney Cox. She takes down Beastman with a gallon of ammonia. I think she throws a gallon of ammonia in his face and escapes. Then she meets He-Man, who is um, dressed in a cape and booties, leather straps, leather straps, and red a, like a pair of underwear. <laughs> yeah, underwear. And and what I have written down here is uh, a he mullet. A he mullet. A powerful, powerful he mullet. He's the most powerful mullet in the universe. Um, so they combine stories, and good God, I want to get to the end of this plot so we can make fun of this movie. Um, go faster. <laughs> They join up, Skeletor comes in. <laughs> Shows up in his bed, Darth Vader-themed uh, uh, hovercraft. <laughs> there's more fight. Julie gets injured. He-Man sacrifices himself to save the cause. Just going back to Eternia to be Skeletor's slave and what was... Whipping? The whipping the and the, the, the chaining and the whipping and the, all, the, <laughs> all that. Then um, there's a, a, a battle, He-Man and Skeletor. If you want to call it that. So they, it's it's like, a fight. It's like two kids. Behind a spotlight. <laughs> or in front of a spotlight. Part of it. That's, that's a it looked like a music video. It looked like a bad, music, like, hey, bad you know Russian what? music video. A bad yeah. music video. Skeletor, Skeletor falls like the Emperor down Skeletor's the staff gets cut in half. He goes back to... to well, actually, Skeletor. let me back up. He gets... <laughs> He gets the the thing actually happens the the moonrise thing happens and and he's able to become this ultimate powerful master of the universe which makes him endows him with this gilded overly complicated probably top heavy costume yeah um, a new gold helmet with a big mask spiky yeah. shit yeah. on top and it's like if they bronzed uh, Medusa sure that's sure. what his head piece looked like then they. <laughs> He and he he man and Skeletor fight, breaks his staff, he turns back into regular old drab Skeletor. Uh and then I forget how he falls down the shaft, just like the Emperor or just like Darth Maul. It's like they were fighting, He Man was down and then they pulled down I don't know. Oh yeah, it was the old uh switcheroo. The yeah. Old... Yeah. Uh so Skeletor falls in a Skeletor. Uh everybody lives. Principal Strickland stays behind. Because he's a king. He's got what? He's got... I Julie don't gets thrown back into the timeline that her parents didn't die. Before her parents. Yeah, she steals <laughs> and the then at keys. the end of the credits, Skeletor claims that he's going to be back. Which... <laughs> that movie, that that thing, that's a post-credits. Uh, it's a post-credits little... I'll be back! And then freeze frame, because we don't have enough budget to let that roll out. Uh, <laughs> that's that, why that, the camera ran out of film. It just... <laughs> <laughs> That movie is why I watch credits. Why I, when I watch movies, I used to watch credits because I thought, oh, sweet. That he would be cool. He's going to show up in this one, too. <laughs> I thought he meant going to show up in this one, too. Why don't they end all I, the after movies I watched, with Skeletor popping out of a bat? Of- I, I sat through the entire credits for my dinner with Andre in the hopes that Frank Langella would pop up at the end. <laughs> Basically, good and evil fight. Good is good. Evil is evil. And good triumphs over evil. Because it's virtuous. Because it's good. Only because it's virtuous, not because it's gifted or... <laughs> so, I will be completely honest with you and go, the cast really bought into their characters. They, yeah, they all went for it. Except for Dolph, because he can't act. Sure. Um, but no one's giving a crap performance in this movie. Not really. 
I mean, I think they, all, I, they probably all thought they were going to catch a decent paycheck once they rejuvenated the He-Man franchise. I think you're right. I think they're like, He-Man is big. I think yeah. they're like, we're going to make a ton of money. Yeah. Let's not... Let's not phone let's this not in, guys. Let's not phone this one in, yeah. right. Because that's that was my first impression, and I hadn't seen this movie in probably 29 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> I probably hadn't seen it. I've seen Since it twice now it in the last out. year. I watch it. I probably watch it once a year. <laughs> but man, Frank Frank he chews the scenery. He's the best in it. I like his makeup. Yeah, I, no, he looks I don't know why people felt like it was bad. I don't I thought it was pretty decent. Yeah. I liked how it looked. I thought it moves did. with his face, it allows him to articulate and it allows him to I thought it was creepy to an extent. For, sure. Especially if you're a kid, that would have been kind it of never, I don't remember it ever. What creeped me out the most was when Julie gets that little emperor bolt zap and that, her leg gets all oh. festered. <laughs> but, Plus and... Yeah. yeah but was, Skeletor never never bothered me. Yeah. Like his, Frank Langella is the straight up highest tent pole in this movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, Frank Langella took that role as Skeletor because his kid wanted him to do it. Yeah. And... I guess Frank Langella is a good trained actor, so he also just went, went with it. I mean, does he do anything subtly? I don't know that he's known for his... I think when he played, like, Nixon about a decade ago. What did he play Nixon in? Frost Nixon. He did, the, he did like... Did he do the, did he do the divorce? Kind of. Okay. But, yeah, it was very subtle. That was subtle. But, yeah. As we know that later on down the road, we're going to hit another Frank Langella movie. That is not as flattering. <laughs> The one pirate that doesn't have long hair. I like I like Masters of the Universe. Let's talk about that. <laughs> um, was it me or was this film really trying to be the next Star Wars? Oh, dude, they I, they so wanted to be the next Star Wars. Where do I have it written down? I have it. Uh, it's like it's a poorly imagined Star Wars that has been cross contaminated with Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, with a little bit of Back to the Future thrown in for good measure. They. That's what this That's movie. exactly yeah. This they they tried to pull as many sort of they tried to make Tila as much like Leia as possible, but she just comes across as a like bitchy like, she's just always put out like because she's not a good as actress. Because she's Kira not Fisher. she's not shooting her next jazzer size. <laughs> so <laughs> You see how she's dressed? She's got like this headband and Yeah, I, she Like everybody had it's like they all came from different Time zones. <laughs> yeah. Because, oh, I mean, here's <laughs> Yeah, He-Man's dressed like he's going to the beach. He-Man's dressed like he's going to the beach. Um, Man-at-Arms mm-hmm. looks like he's a reject from the Aliens franchise movie. Yep. Like, he was cast, but then they had too many characters. They're like, no, we really need to keep Bill Pullman in this, Apple Pullman, Bill <laughs> Paxton in this movie. So you're out. And he's like, where do I go next? Well, we're shooting He-Man. You want to come in here? Yes. Sure. That's what he looks like because he doesn't look like. He he also, what's his name? John Cypher, uh, doing his best Kirk Douglas most of the time. I don't know. And he's than, not bad. He's not. He's just. Mm. Eh. Yeah, they, they, they tried to make it Star Wars-y, and they, they, they tried to write Tila as a powerful female character, but they didn't know how to write a powerful female character, yeah. so she just comes across as sort of, like, annoyed and, and pissed most of the time. And Was he supposed to be her daughter? Yeah, yeah, in the, in the TV show, yeah. 
I didn't really see that. It's, uh... It's, was it clearly defined in the movie? Yeah, no, nothing was clearly defined in this movie. Uh, yeah, what I have written down here is it, it feels like a ninth-rate version of the plot of A New Hope. <laughs> and not hidden too well. Without uh, a Death Star that gets blown up. It just it, always perplexed me as a kid, uh, which I guess would bring me to what I... What, if I had a magic wand, what one thing I would change about this, which would be... <laughs> And there's plenty that could change. But make it, like, I don't want it to take place on Earth. I want it to take place on Eternia, where all the He-Man shit happens. I want it to be... Yeah, you, you're you right. I never really thought about it until you brought it up. Is that the, the can, It very much followed that canon philosophy of make it as cheap as possible. Meaning what? Meaning we spend seven minutes on this world, <laughs> and then we somehow move to Earth... At this time zone and time frame right now. Just Why? Because it's so much cheaper, you <laughs> idiot. <laughs> yeah. We'll cut millions out of the budget. <laughs> we can film in Whittier at night for half the charge, that, or half the cost that it normally costs us. That's what's so funny. Thank you for the city of Whittier. Did it say that? Yeah. It's down in Southern California. Which, I mean, they could have... far from Hollywood, if there, I remember. There could have so been a, a bit of it happen on Earth, but it's just... Like I think you notice all the destruction happens to stores, like a like a makeshift uh, music shop and like mm-hmm. a Radio Shack kind of place, and, and a warehouse, it. and a warehouse, and a wherever the sound check was, a school, a school. It's Middle I America. That's right. It was it's a Skeletor. Was I have I have written down Skeletor attacks Middle America. <laughs> he doesn't even he doesn't even attack it. He just shows up after everyone else has attacked it. Straw boss and is like, all right. It's screwing around. <laughs> get back. Then, get back to work. Get back. And then work. he just backs up. <laughs> and then goes back. Yeah. To he, he gets his little key and he goes back. Um, what? <laughs> again, there's a lot that doesn't work, but what? What doesn't work? You, okay. you talk about that because I've what got, I've got written down. And then you can pepper in what you what I don't touch on. What I have and what I have written down is there's plenty of things that don't work. I'd rather talk about what does because there's fewer of those. But Dolph Lundgren's inability to wield a sword or deliver dialogue—it's <laughs> like they're like he looks good. Well, what, how does he act? I don't care. He looks good. Let's bring him in. <laughs> well, hand him a friggin' sword and. and See if he can swing a broadsword. But did you see Rocky IV? It was amazing. Hire him. <laughs> I mean, I love that watching that Canon film and uh, that documentary and how I, uh, it was Stallone that <laughs> visited on set. Like he had a break from Over the Top, another Canon mm-hmm. masterpiece mm-hmm. that destroyed Canon films. Uh, showed up on set and saw Dolph floating around on one of the hovercraft board disc things. Fighter things. And went, Hobgoblin you gave thing. that guy lines? <laughs> <laughs> and this is coming from the guy who directed Rocky 2, 3, and 4. Yeah. It's Stallone. It's Stallone. He's not the best actor, but he's still Stallone. Sure. And he can act to a degree. Yeah, um, yeah for the most part. Depends on the role, but yes, he's playing himself in almost everything. Uh, the film fails to grab the audience's attention by putting anything even remotely compelling on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing that goes... I mean, it. 
the credits are more compelling than the first very, seven, right. eight minutes of this movie. It's confusing. Yeah. Like, why are they? Why, why does it just take place out in the desert all of a sudden? I mean, He Man pops up real quick to tell us why and where. You mean to deliver exposition? The story is flat with zero emotion. In some places, the structure is almost too simple yet difficult to explain, where at other times it's completely convoluted. <laughs> It's like, this story is so stupidly simple, yet I still don't know what's going on. It, yeah. They don't do a good job of trying to explain what's going on. In its defense, though, that's how the cartoon was. In its defense, it was, it was directed by a guy who directed Hershey's really big 3D show ten years later. I don't know what that is. <laughs> exactly. It's probably a 3D theme park show for the Hershey's theme park. His biggest credit is Masters of the Universe, and then directing a bunch of other things that aren't actually theatrically. Do you released. think he? Uh, do you think he picks up people at the bar that way? Hey, directed Masters of the Universe. <laughs> What's that? Okay, often... Hold on. I also directed okay. Hershey's really big 3D show. Oh, I oh, see. That. Oh, can I buy you a drink? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bill Conti was doing his damnedest to try to sound like John Williams, yet the score still felt forgettable. <laughs> Again, the opening credits screamed of Superman. The, f the film's ending is incredibly anticlimactic. The final sword battle between He-Man and Skeletor resembles a 1980s music video. I would say it was scathing, what you just said, and what, but it's uh, all true. Yes. <laughs> And lastly, what doesn't work? Courtney Cox's full-length nightgown at the last scene when she finds out that her parents are still alive. I, that's literally the first thing I mention. And what does work is that Courtney Cox is great as sort of an every girl USA. It's like you said earlier. No one is really bad um, in this. They all kind of went for it. They all bought into their characters. I will give them that much. It does not feel like take one, we're done. Yeah. Take one, we're done. I like. Um, I also like the dark tone that this has. The movie, I'll, I'll, most canon movies have the this attempted tone. dark tone. Yeah, yes. but it's a it's what is normally an attempted dark tone for a, a canon movie is very dark compared to the source material for He Man, which is like the the bubblegum, that sort of bubblegum nature of the uh, the color palette and all that. It's very in the cartoon. It's Technicolor and all that, even the filmation logo at the beginning. Yeah, and in the movie, it's very drab, and most things are either metal or they're wet or they're concrete or you just don't have clothes on. The story at its core is solid, but it could have been better. And uh, Frank Langella is great. Um, Skeletor, the sound of him chewing through the scenery must have been deafening because he just went for it. And uh, James Tolkien. is a giant pants tent. Oh, wait. <laughs> James Tolkien is a giant pants tent oh. with his half-assed Principal Strickland uh, reprisal. The only difference between this character and Principal Strickland is they gave him a shotgun. <laughs> and this one compared to Back to the Future. He had a shotgun in Back to the Future, too. He'd, and three. He'd, and, and three. And three, yeah. Cause he well, not him. it's not him in Back to the Future 3, but yeah. But yeah, they gave Strickland... A shotgun in the set. Maybe that's where they got the idea. Is they want and watch TV. That's <laughs> just the universe. 
Uh, yeah, the fun bit of trivia. The woman that plays the sorceress. Oh, that's what I think you're thinking, probably. She goes on later, um, this is 87, so she goes on 8 to 10 years later to play Monica's mom on oh, Friends. Oh, yes. Which uh, uh, I, I always thought was interesting. Elliot Gould's wife. Yeah, Elliot, Elliot Gould is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, I so, forgot about uh, that. A few other bits. It's obvious, We've mentioned it earlier, but it's... Uh, an earlier, uh, I'm sure movies had done it before, but not not as much as they do now with the Marvel Universe. But it was a post credits sort of setup for a sequel um, to Masters of the Universe. But this movie tanked so poorly, or actually it tanked well. It did poorly. It tanked well. It tanked. It, it tanked as good as anything could tank. It tanked as well as anything. Um, it set up a sequel. Um, that I don't know what what it would have been, but it got. It was very, very loosely created at the time, but it, it became the movie Cyborg, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Let's see here. Oh, here's the even more interesting bit. That's the one I told you about Beastman. It says his prosthetic teeth were so large. It was the teeth that were so large that the guy who played him, Tony Carroll, was unable to close his mouth when in costume. And after a while, he would begin to drool and fill his chin piece with saliva and weighing him down. <laughs> That's so gross. But he and could, of course, like a trumpet, though it, unlike a trumpet, it did not have a spit didn't have a spit mouth. Here's the amazing thing: as horrible as this movie, for the most part, is, yeah, Hollywood still thinks that they can pull off another He-Man, and it has been in development in Hollywood again for the last ten years. For well over a decade, they've been attempting to reboot this movie. The script has gone through at least half a dozen rewrites probably more, with director David S. Goyer, who's done stuff like, he's written like, I think he uh, was one of the writers on Batman Begins. He's done some DC stuff, I think. Um, he's currently attached to the project right now. <laughs> As of what date? Uh, probably within the last two years, maybe one year. See, this... That's surprising. I... Is that even the popularity of He-Man... Ha- the Rock. Yeah. Well, yeah. Put The Rock in it. That would make it... I don't want The Rock to be in big trouble in Little China. Put him in He-Man. Put him in He-Man. I'm okay with The Rock being in (laughs) He-Man. He can get in there and just, you know, drink his creatine every morning and he can just swing for the fences. I don't even put a wig on him. Just make him grow his hair out. That'd be fine. I'm, I'm cool with that. But it'll be any remake of it. That's the thing. This is not meant to be a big screen movie. No, it's <laughs> and the fact that Hollywood has probably—I would love to know how much they've spent <laughs> spent just throwing the script around and attaching different directors and writers and studio heads. How much money they've spent and time they've wasted thinking that maybe one day we'll be able to make another He-Man movie, even mm-hmm. though it's—they they're so out of ideas, or should I say, they're so scared of new ideas yeah. that they have to go back. To, to revamp crap. To it. revamp crap that was not good the first time, mm-hmm. thinking, well, maybe... I mean, well, why not? If we can revamp crap that was good into stuff that isn't, why can't we take stuff that was <laughs> crap and make it into something that was good? It's like Jeff Goldblum said in Jurassic Park. They, they were so occupied oh. with the idea of... Whether um, they could. It's <laughs> whether, whether or not they, they should. should. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's so perfect because it's true. Yeah. They there's only there's only two ways I would accept a He-Man reboot because look at what happened the last time you tried to do it. There's only or a He-Man in, in, anything, in anything is if you do it, do it over the top. Not Michael Bay though, but The Rock, or or you give it to Wes Anderson and you just say there, do it. Like, Wes Anderson's He-Man. Anderson. Owen Wilson as He-Man. <laughs> and I'm trying my hardest to come up with, a, with an Owen Wilson impression. Oh, He-Man. Oh, oh Tila. <laughs> I cut my finger. <laughs> I broke my nose. I broke my nose in a battle with Skeletor years ago. With Ed Norton as Skeletor. I can't, right. I can't do an Ed Norton. Uh... <clears throat> Does it? Uh, no, hold on. I got oh, one you've got more. Piece. I got one more piece of trivia that has nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> Go that for makes it. me think what maybe the title should or should not be. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Dolph Lundgren. That's the Receive. title of the movie. Yep, just Dolph that's Lundgren. It. That's the, no, that's the title of the episode. <laughs> Canon Dolph Films presents Dolph, Dolph Lundgren. Lundgren. I mean, he's probably had a few. Uh, received a degree in chemical engineering in 1980. And has a master's degree in chemical engineering. I mean, is it not? a Russian degree though? No, it's not... the University of Sydney in Australia. I think so. Or New York, Sydney, New York. I think it's Sydney, Australia. Master, masters, of <laughs> masters chemical, of the chem- chemical engineering. <laughs> <laughs> He's not an idiot. He just acts he like, just one, on like on one on TV and movies. Um, okay. Does it hold up? No. Well, wait, oh wait, on, no, 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 no! Are we doing the what? Will we change? Yeah, I've already, I've already said uh, what my magic wand would be, but my, I'll get mine out of the way since it's real simple. Uh, what I've written here is more scenes, any scenes on Eternia. That's make it not look like Skeletor attacks Middle America. That's I, my. Uh, my that's, problem was is I couldn't care less, and my magic wand was burn the script and walk away. <laughs> If you could make one change to the film, what would it be? Burn the script and walk away. Okay. So, yeah. Does it hold up? Some of the visuals aren't bad. You can see that they spent the money that they had, but apparently, from what I remember reading too, is this still, film still went like $5 million over budget. And so whatever the budget was for this movie was now $5 million more than what they were intending. And that's why the movie's ending is so anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. They had to stop production, is what rumors had, and they had to go and get additional money so they could make their uh, final uh, sword fight behind which is, in which front is, of the spotlight. Which is why half of it happens in this gilded palace, and the other half of it happens in front of the spotlight. Yeah, right. And they, they do a decent enough job cutting that scene together that you... If you don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe I, I don't look at it through the right kind of eyes, but if you don't... If you don't enter if you're, if, it? Yeah, you're, you don't really notice it. But it's also... And you have to also remember, you're, you're watching a live-action movie, which is of a, of, a, of a really shitty child's cartoon, you know, that had no plot either. It was just... We need to put a vehicle in this episode because we need we have a new vehicle toy that we need to sell to these kids for Christmas or whatever. So put them in the vehicle and fly them somewhere. Put them in the vehicle and drive them somewhere. It's all it's just a yeah commercial. Sorry, I cowboyed your I cowboyed your. Does it still hold up? No, no, no. Does it still hold? I mean, I didn't even I put most I put those two together. With, does it still hold up? And final thoughts. I kind of 
wrap that together. Oh, okay. Because mine was like a good 28 years or, or 9 years, for that matter, has gone by since I last <coughs> laid eyes upon Masters of the Universe. Hopefully, it will be another 30 more before I have to see this floater circling the drain again. <laughs> I never had any of the toys, nor did I watch the cartoon. I'm not completely sure whether it was my lack of interest or my parents' concern with the sorcery aspects, but He-Man didn't have a huge influence on my childhood. This film is horrendously slow. Dolph Lundgren's skills as a swordsman are just about as stiff and wooden as his performance. <laughs> Masters of the Universe moves as slow as He-Man does in this film. It's clunky, rarely hits what it's aiming for, and leaves a majority of the audience questioning why. I wrote. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll roll mine in together because I can't, <laughs> I can't counterpoint that because I'm going to say about the same thing. Um, I'll roll my... Uh, does it still stand up and final thoughts together as well? Uh, this movie never really stood to begin with. Um, it's it, like, was, it started out sitting. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, it started out riding on the hovercraft. That's being generous, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess it's uh, I, I guess it's sort of a strange... It, it comes up as sort of a strange oddity in a quote, in other news, end quote, one-off misfire for 80s kids. Yeah. Hey, do you remember He-Man? Yeah. Here's a movie that they made about it. a movie that's not really that good? Did you want to see it? Here it is. For $3, you can rent it on Amazon. Um, There's so many misfires in it or outright bad choices um, that made it a flop. Basically, it was... Canon went on for another couple of years, but this basically was the final straw in derailing their company. This... And, um, it, and it still hasn't recovered. The arm wrestling movie over the top. Over the top. And what was the, there was like a third one that they did. Superman four. So that's right. God, I remember. I remember seeing that in the theaters. I really wish this movie could have worked. <laughs> if it was anything close to what Cyborg was, just super dark because the canon dudes were. They just they lived in this weird, wet, darkness. I don't know. Um, I can see what you mean when you say wet darkness. Wet streets and asphalt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just grimy. It would have been cool. It was. I, I. I thought it was a nice flip on the super eighties. Everything bright. was good, bright bubblegum yeah, of yeah. it. This movie is why I watched credits all the way through, and I found Skeletor's blip by accident as a kid. Uh, actually, it was this <clears throat> one night when I was a kid. This this came. This was on like network television, like as like a midnight movie. For some reason, my dad had woken up, and I had woken up. I don't know if a phone rang or something, but I, I couldn't go back to sleep. It was like a Friday or Saturday. So I went out in the living room, just laid on the floor, and it was, oh, sweet, he, Master of the Universe is on, and I watched it. And it, was and all it put you right to sleep? No. Oh. No, it does now. It does now. <laughs> but I watched it, and the credits were going, and it came up with the I'll Be Back thing, and I thought that was I thought that was so cool that they did that. And it's still cool that they did it, but, you know, I just turned the page to make sure there weren't any more notes, and I saw Cutthroat Island, and I, I vomited a little. Um just strictly for nostalgia is the only reason this has any semblance of a I'll watch it again yeah you know nostalgia the older you get it's amazing now being 41 to be 42 this year that nostalgia really plays a big factor in things that I like now that if I went back 20 years and reanalyzed it it may not be as good as it should be Mm mm-hmm there are other things that are complete polar opposite too that 
Sure. It's like sure. these are so much better than you even can imagine, but Pearl it's, Jam. it's amazing. Pearl Jam, but that's a whole different podcast. But yeah. That's Masters of the Universe. For, the, for good or for bad. For It's as anticlimactic as the ending of this first <laughs> part of this episode. Yeah. We fight for two minutes and then we'll send you back in time to where your parents are still every, alive. Everything works out because of me. Don't, don't let's go to the beach. I do I wanna to go to the beach now. Uh, I don't wanna what was it? They chose she chose not to go on a to go to the beach with her parents, so her parents decided to fly somewhere else and die in a plane crash. Is that pretty much pretty yeah. much what it was? Yeah, yeah, it's really stupid. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> This world will never forget. We have never faced a threat like this. The team is being assembled. They're the best operatives in the world. When all else fails, we don't. This is General Hawk. Mission is a go. We're running out of time. It's just... Okay, that's it. That's enough explosions and crap. It's G.I. Joe. The Rise of Cobra. <laughs> I was waiting for something to happen. You beat it. He beat it in by about... 15 seconds, but all you're going to get is more explosions after they show the title sequence anyway. Man. I might... <laughs> I might chop that one up a little, <laughs> a little shorter, which would make this seem weird, out of context. So that's okay. Um, it's GI Joe, directed by Stephen Summers, director of the franchise, uh, Brendan Fraser franchise, The Mummy. Oh, yeah, that's uh, the first one's all right, but I wanted it to be better than it was. The Mummy. <laughs> Let's talk about the Mummy instead. <laughs> I don't have notes for that. I don't either. <laughs> Which I have you, no notes for that. So. What are you drinking over there? Uh, just some more uh, delicious chilada. Uh, Cheladas. I've got uh, uh, Happ and Harry sounds like a couple of GI Joe characters, so that's what I'm drinking. Happ and Harry's. I switched over from the Newcastle because I just want to be hungover tomorrow. I guess is what that means. We both shouldn't drink at the same time either because somebody has to be talking. <sighs> drink to your leg. I'll drink to your leg. Um, to our legs. Oh, wrong movie. The uh, <laughs> that was a good movie. Yeah. The uh, my, my my first thoughts on GI Joe, and it's you have to go into it. I went into it with this mindset, having the figures and making up your own stories in the backyard was the point of it, and that's what made it fun. Look, I mean, if you're an eight year old and you've got a bunch of GI Joes and you close your eyes. Too. Eight-year-olds, dude. <laughs> if you closed your eyes and imagined a poorly written action, wall-to-wall -wall action movie, this is what you would come up with if you're eight. Because didn't you say... That's what... Yeah, I, had to, I had to. <laughs> You sent me a text going, 
It's like it's written by eight-year-olds. Eight-year-olds, dude. That's the title of this episode. Eight-year-olds, dude. Eight-year-olds, dude. Um, keep that in mind, and then just pretend that the guy that wrote it and the guy that directed it were eight-year-olds, not fully functioning adult people. Adult humans. Adult humans. Then it's fine. That's it. See you guys next week. Okay, well, let me give you the rundown. This is my... Uh, Do. Start with the Scotsman. The, uh, the man in the iron mask. Not Destro. Uh, Christopher Eccleson. He's good. G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, is a movie based on a syndicated cartoon based on a line of toys <laughs> with additional character materials taken from a comic book series based on the cartoon. America. Yeah, don't tell me that you didn't think of Team America when seeing parts of this movie. A time or two, yeah. Uh, If you were looking for something serious, I would advise turning away now. (laughs) Go find a book. Uh, Any book. (laughs) An instructional book on repairing stereos. (laughs) Yes. And then, in the not-too-distant future, a new type of weapon has been created. Using nano-based technology, these nanomites devour metal capable of destroying anything from a tank to an entire city and can be turned off with a switch of a button. Do they destroy burritos as well? Uh, no, just metal. Man. Uh, this new weapon becomes the MacGuffin. <laughs> the film's object of desire that brings two organizations to the forefront and battle each other for control of this weapon. The first organization is G.I. Joe, an elite force of peacekeeping international military operatives, which used to just be American operatives, but now it's international operatives. Sure. And peacekeeping is in quotes because what better way to be more peacekeeping than blowing shit up? <laughs> <coughs> and the second organization is Cobra, a terrorist organization organization whose desire for these warheads has yet to be revealed nine years after the movie's release. <laughs> Mayhem and bad acting ensues. I mean, because seriously, that was my biggest problem with this movie as I was really going through and trying to put my thoughts together for my notes for this podcast was, what does Cobra want? Like, why do they have to go through all this dog and pony show to get these missiles? Well, because apparently this, what, 400, 600 years ago, 400 years ago, doesn't it start with the flashback of the... Connor McLeod. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of a Scotsman selling to both sides. That's, and yes. so he's yes. still selling to both sides. So not 400 much years is, later, nothing has he gets, he his gets, family line. He gets caught and they make him wear a red hot mask. Is punishment for the rest of his life and he swears vengeance on the, the world Scotland, I guess I don't know um, that that sort of hate lust or whatever has been passed down from generation to generation also the dubious nature of selling weapons to both both sides of any Scotland conflict known for so. hate lust or is it more like golf I, I thought Ireland was golf more. and just red hair for me I mean I thought Ireland had more of the hate lust than <laughs> Scotland. Um, I don't know. Ireland doesn't. Uh, they don't. They don't feel a player in this movie that I know of. Um, so yeah, that's that's what happens. And then um, we'll see you next week, folks. <laughs> <laughs> really, 
Uh, uh, yeah, okay, so anyway, this has <laughs> my big note, this is my big paragraph note that I really wrote out because I had to come up with thoughts later. It's like, this has some of the worst exposition dialogue I've <laughs> ever heard. They either have to speak out loud to express what they're thinking or to reiterate what was spoken before just to confirm what happened. Example, Storm Shadow kills the Baron after he kisses the Baroness. Then Storm Shadow says, I told you I'd kill him if he touched you again. The Baroness replies with, I heard you the first time. Well, so did the audience. Eight-year-olds, dude. <laughs> so rather than just stabbing him in the back and having a stern or hateful look on his face, he has to tell everyone why he did what he did, rather than believing the audience is intelligent enough to recall their last conversation earlier in the, the question. The question I kept having was, who was this written for? Eight-year-olds, dude. Was it, <laughs> was it written for eight-year-olds in 2009, or was it written for people that in... We're born in 2009. <laughs> I mean, and are eight now and watching it. I, it was. I feel like it was written for people. Again, maybe not not your age, but just a little bit younger in my age but, that yeah. did some serious time with the cartoon and the, and the and the action figures and stuff. Well, that's great, but we're not eight anymore. Are you? Do you want us to depro? Like, do you want us to to detune and yes. just watch it as an eight year old, or yes. do you want us to watch it? Do you want us to watch a more sophisticated and version of GI Joe, which is another sentence I never they thought really I'd say. Really tried to make this sophisticated yeah. by dumbing it down at the same time. Yeah, and it shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. I love what they way- wanted to do was put the movie together and then time travel it back with what's his name? He Man. And he. <laughs> And release it in '87. Who is more dumb, does. Dolph Lundgren or Channing Tatum? <laughs> um, Marlon Wayans is okay in it, but he's, he's just, the comedic relief. Yeah, he's he just pops in real quick as the wisecracker. Um, because all the if your last name is Wayans, typically you're funny. Yeah, um, they're charming. They have that charming gene. Yeah, they, they don't like any of the Wayans. Kind of has that ability to charm because they they can they take they well. can they. And he's he's not my favorite Wayans. My favorite Wayans is Damon, but they all have this lilt to their to their voice and their delivery that makes it makes their joking. Um, what do you want to say? Not lighthearted, but there's a is a positive inflection to yes. it. They're not. It's not denigrating necessarily. Now he's a sexist shit in it, but it's. He just he's just like a walking boner. It's he's he's either he's Scarlet yeah he's either funny or, or he's a walking boner. Drooling over Scarlet, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's he's good in it, and he's about all that's good in it. Um, you didn't like Dennis Quaid's like no flat as a board. I'm here for a paycheck, and because just like Frank Langella, his son wanted him to do it. That's something. Like, how, old, how old is your son? This is something. <laughs> he's forty. <laughs> this is something that Lisa and I were talking about the other day. Is that um, you could take any. Almost any role that Dennis Quaid has played, and replace the actor with Kurt Russell, and it would probably still work. And be better, or possibly better, depending on the movie. Good... I don't dislike Dennis Quaid. I think he's a decent actor. I like a fair amount of movies that he's in, but they could—they're almost interchangeable, kind of in that ruggedy. But you couldn't go the other way. You couldn't put—you couldn't put Dennis Quaid in a Kurt Russell role. 
No, probably not. Can you picture? I think you're right. I think you're right. I think you could put Kurt Russell in anything that Dennis Quaid has played, but I don't think you could put Dennis Quaid in anything that Kurt Russell. And has that makes done. Kurt Russell the better actor, and that's all I was going for. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, make, you make a good point. Because Dennis Quaid could not play, uh, uh, well, he couldn't play Elvis to start with, but he also couldn't play Jack. Um, Jack Burton. Jack Burton. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the note I have here is their uh, <laughs> their their team is attacked. Uh, Marlon Wayans and Channing Tatum. I don't know their names. I'm not going to bother to learn the What's characters. What's Duke and Ripcord? Okay, Duke and Ripcord. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> I had to go back. I had to look at some of the names because I couldn't remember all the names of the characters from the cartoon because it's been 30 years since oh, I've sure. stuff yeah. or more. And so I was like, hold on, i got to see what they look like in the cartoon to remember. Oh, okay, that's who they're playing. Oh, okay, was Duke this dumb in the cartoon? <laughs> was he? I don't think so. I haven't watched the cartoons in ages. You haven't watched it since you were eight years old. I tried to rewatch. <laughs> I tried to rewatch some of it uh, three or four years ago, and it was super actiony, cartoonish. Well, the animation, which to me it should have been, it was a cartoon. <clears throat> it, I don't know where. I don't know a lot of history about GI Joe, especially in regards to the cartoons. But I, when I rewatched like the intro, I was like, man, this still this looks slightly. Japanese anime, and that I wouldn't yeah. surprise me if you know part of it was outsourced, some of the animation was outsourced to either Korea or Japan or yeah. something. <clears throat> which I don't know. The, the cartoon was always cool, and I would I, yeah, I'd, I I'd rather sit that. here and talk about the cartoon, which I can't remember much of. This could easily be the plot: guns, bro talk, explosions, the Baroness, more explosions, lasers, creepy robots stolen. Then the toys show up. Not dolls. Because my dad was always very adamant that they weren't dolls. They were toys. They were toys. Are you talking about the the uh, accelerator suits mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. they're called? The, what is it, accelerate? You. you. <laughs> and then, Thanks, heavy duty. Below that, I have... I, a- I'm going to call them heavy duty anyway because there's no way in the world that I can pronounce the, uh, Echo's real name. Mr. Echo. Lost. Mr. Echo from Lost. <laughs> uh, I already hope Cobra wins. <laughs> Did you like how they turned uh, Destro into Destro? It seemed appropriate. He got he got he got burned. Well, there's an explosion, and mm-hmm. his face got burned, and so he got uh, injected with. He got injected with like nanobite nano nanobite yeah. technology. Nanomites that, that uh, repaired his face and then made his face silver. I don't even know if he's in the sequel. I never. Yeah, no, I didn't like that. <laughs> Some things don't need an origin story. They just are, you know? <clears throat> well, it, I do find it strange that they still had to evolve Cobra into what he eventually becomes, but the mask that and helmet or whatever that he puts on the end movie looks nothing like Cobra. Commander. No. And if they put on... <clears throat> the because he had like two different styles. He had that silvery domey thing, mm-hmm. and then he also looked like a blue KKK. Yeah, he had that cowl. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forget what the what the mask he put on the movie at the end of the movie looked like. It looked weird. <laughs> it did. I don't. I don't even care to pull it up, but it didn't look. I know he it had, didn't look right. Is all I know. He has on. He's got. It looks like Gary uh, Gary Oldman wearing some sort of steampunk respirator mask. Yes. 
Well, that initially, but yeah. I mean, at the very end, he puts on and he becomes, <clears throat> excuse me, Cobra Commander, and he puts on some other weird thing. thing. I just don't remember what it looked like. Luckily, I've, it didn't I've, look like Cobra Commander of the two that I specifically remember in the cartoon. What doesn't work? <laughs> <laughs> Every character foil has their first fight: ninja on ninja, girl on girl. <laughs> Rail kill. <laughs> what doesn't work? Um, for what it is, it works. It's, I mean, it's... Well, you could tell that they were automatically assuming they were going to get some type of franchise out of this. Oh, sure, sure. Be, by the title and by the way they ended it. Mm -hmm. By the title, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. This is the chapter one. I mean, the movie doesn't even have a complete... Did they just make two? They made a second one a few years ago. I'm going to assume that that's it for G.I. Joe. Hopefully. Well, I mean, if <clears throat> we can hope that it doesn't take the same... Uh, we, we hope it doesn't follow in the same f footsteps as Transformers and now five. Uh, yeah. That's, I can't. Five movies in ten years. Just go back and watch the old cartoons. That's good enough. That's why can't you be good? See, why can't week, you be folks, happy with what you have? <laughs> I have uh, part of the plot. The, the plot, if we, if we didn't cover it, is Cobra needs these bombs, which I've labeled here as MacGuffin bombs. Why? But why do they need them? They don't. I mean, they, I know, they don't ever really say. I know some goals for terrorists are just to terrorize, but usually there's still an end game. In a movie, in mind, yeah. But in a in a movie, there's an end game, and it doesn't feel outside of having them to have the power, like He Man. <laughs> I don't see yeah, what not, their end game is. In I'm not this paying. Film. I'm not paying twenty two dollars for tickets and popcorn to sit there and have some sort of ambiguity with your terrorist organization. If it's a movie. Give me a clear-cut goal for your terrorist organization. Yes. Just that they need these MacGuffin bombs <clears throat> is not good enough. Uh, have you ever seen Eastwood, Clint Eastwood's movie Firefox? Or know of it, at least? I, only the title. Okay. I don't know it, the, the plot evolves around uh, Eastwood is a, um, a Vietnam veteran, and he's brought in by the government to go over into Russia to uh, infiltrate their system and take the Firefox, which is a highly sophisticated technological achievement of a military plane, and take it and take it to the U.S. And the only way to operate the plane and fire the weapons and everything is to think in Russian. And when when Ripcord gets in this and has to speak Celtic in order to fire and eject and all of these things just made me go, someone went back to like 1982 or whatever to come up with that idea. So it's not, it's Speak not even... in Celtic. I mean, now the thoughts, I think it was thoughts that it was in, that they had to use in uh, Firefox, but you had to speak it out loud in this one. But it's just the similarities to me and the type of plane, the way it looked, is sure. very too on the nose. Uh, the flashbacks <coughs> don't really work and treat the viewer like an idiot. In order to convey a sense of loss, you could actually talk about it 
or convey it in some way in the dialogue. What if instead, you... all they kept doing is, hey, we'll make this easier. Um, I'm sad. I'm sad, and <laughs> then we'll flash back. They did, now, in, in their defense, they did show uh, Duke. They did show how, how, how brooding and feeling he was by having him do what every good bad boy does and, and ride his motorcycle through the cemetery in the rain. In Arlington Cemetery, in, no in, less. Yeah. <laughs> to watch the burial of... His good friend, uh, jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, who never actually died and became. Why isn't he at the funeral? <clears throat> I don't know. They just. Why have, they he, have... I'm so distraught. I can't be there. So <laughs> instead, gonna... I'm going to be about a hundred yards away, in the rain on my Harley. Is that's just? He uh, Channing Tatum actually hated this movie. He I've, yeah. He did it. I can't. I can't quite remember. He did it. Um, <laughs> Spoiler alert! I think they killed off Duke in the second movie. Oh, like, good. Soon. <laughs> I hope it was quick. Um, I don't think he's some of the main build characters for the sequel. I know he shows up, but I think they kill him off in the sequel. He did it. He did it for some contractual thing or something. Oh, he. I. I remember. Uh, I don't know if I even put that one down in the notes. Um, but Channing Tatum told. Howard Stern, during a radio interview, that I fucking hate this movie. He revealed that he was forced to make this film because he signed a three-picture deal early in his career. That's what it was. Prior to finding wider fame, when the movie was offered to him and Tatum was dissatisfied with the script, he asked if there might be a way to avoid taking on the movie, but he was told he had to do it or would be sued. However, his dislike of the movie is more due to the circumstances which forced him to do it while he considers the final product as a film that was really not all that bad. Clearly, he did not see the same movie that did, we did. did. As I was going to say, did he see the director's cut or something? Yes. Um, he saw it before all the special effects were put in. <laughs> which were a lot. And that's what I wrote. Uh, the dialogue sounds like a kid playing in the yard, which I can't emphasize that enough. And then it instantly becomes a video game slash training montage. Was there? I think there was a video. There game was. Well, yeah, there was a training montage where you even saw Brendan Fraser playing some other character oh, yeah. in a cameo. He's butt kick or whatever his name is. Well, I'll be honest with Ass you. It was whoop. funny that I rented this through Netflix's uh, DVD rental, which you were surprised that they still actually did. Yeah, I can't believe that's a thing anymore. Yeah. And so I signed back up for it because you get your first month for free, and I'm like, well, I got to find all these movies, and I think I can find a majority of them through Netflix DVD subscription, and they did, and I got it, and it's and there were the disc was dirty enough or scratched enough that it missed two different scenes, and one was that entire action, almost the entire action sequence in Paris, and before that, it was the you training lucky, montage. You lucky bastard! <laughs> and I believe it or not, as uh, as messed up as it is, I even took the disc out and tried to clean it just to see, <laughs> and they still skipped. And I'm like, I'm not. Even I, 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 about wasn't, it. I wasn't. I wasn't offended or appalled or or surprised or even mad by any of those super tired cliches. But if if you see a piece of wet cardboard and you think, I know I'm going to eat that, but if I eat that wet cardboard, it's going to taste like wet, wet soggy cardboard. cardboard. You can't be mad. That. At the cardboard. No. You know, I can't be too mad at this movie because I knew what it was That's the title of this episode. I can't be mad at wet, soggy cardboard when I eat it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a good one. 
<laughs> it's not the wet, soggy cardboard's fault. Um, a fun bit of trivia about Sienna Miller was she took uh, she took uh, this role because the Baroness doesn't have any sort of mental breakdown. Uh, she's not addicted to heroin, and she doesn't die at the end. She said it was just something fun to do. So I, I, that kind of that sums it up right there. I was doing it. I did. I, I my was free that summer. Yeah, I had nothing. To, I had nothing better to do. Uh, they are Hasbro. That's GI Joe. It's Hasbro. Yeah, okay. Now Hasbro owes me a paycheck. What I think, what I find more amusing than anything else is when I was kind of doing a little more uh, research on this movie than anybody else has probably ever done. <laughs> yeah, but just saying, that's not saying much. Is that the biggest scapegoat for this movie is that it fell right around the time when the writers' strike was going on or is about to right? happen? Okay, so. Rumor has it that the upcoming writer's strike is why the movie was so poorly written, rushing it into production. And I have a hard time believing this rumor, but it's a great place to put the blame. <laughs> we got to get this into production, and once those writers go on strike, we won't be able to use it, so let's get it as well-written as we can, and then start moving forward, because they can't access or change anything if you are... A, it's production. like if you're in that union, you mm -hmm. can't do anything with it. So you have to use what you have. I understand the reasoning for it, but it's amazing the intricacies of it's, how those unions hold a a death grip on productions. Yeah, but also can easily use it as their excuse mm -hmm. when it sucks. It's uh, it's interesting the kinds of movies that come out. On the leading end or the back end of a writer's strike. So we're going to blame like all the crappy Transformers due to writer's strikes, regardless of when a writer's strike was going on or not. Sure. Also Michael Bay and his explosion machine. Good save. Thank you. Woo! That was a good save. Makes for some good audio. Mm -hmm. Mute you out over there. Um, <laughs> let me know when you get reset. Uh, where did I? Uh, where did I leave off here? Oh, yeah, so if you don't know by now, Cobra Commander is Anna's brother, whatever the hell his name is. and he's, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is Anna's brother. Uh, and he's all vadered up and on a revenge power trip. But to me, he looks like uh, he looks a lot like a young Gary Oldman with that mask on his face. The mic stand's being a little bit temperamental, and I'll deal with it once we're done with this. What's well, going to get you to that point? <laughs> I mean, seriously, how much longer do we do you really expect me to talk about this movie? Uh, I just, okay. I, I'd like to say my favorite line of dialogue. Oh, okay. Is, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and, sir, what is it? <laughs> Stratcom is tracking three warheads that just launched off the polar ice cap. This is the dumbest line in a movie full of dumb lines. This is the first one that I had a really hard time with pulling a piece of dialogue that did. I said the dialogue is bad, but not bad enough to find any hidden treasures in it. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, I didn't even say my favorite line from He-Man, the Masters of the Universe. <laughs> the Masters of the Universe one was the Skeletor's line of, where are they? Where are your friends now? Tell me about the loneliness of good. <laughs> He-Man, is it equal to the loneliness of evil? Wait, you pulled me off this planet so I could, sac I could sacrifice myself so my friends could live. <laughs> and then you're asking me where they are now? You left them back there. Back in suburbia. Back in uh, 
Whittier, California, <laughs> on our way to New Jersey. No, I couldn't come up with any good lines for... Uh, I think that the line from Masters of the Universe works well for this, too. Hey, that's good to know. <laughs> if, you had, if you could make one change. Oh, oh. If you could make one change. Uh, this film is only about 85% action. I was hoping for 90%. <laughs> <laughs> There um, is like so much action. I mean, I I looked up. They tallied how many explosions were in this movie. Please take a guess. I mean, it's got to be a lot, semi-logical number, but it 252. is two hundred and fifty-two. You're close. It was two hundred fifty, according to what wow. I pulled up. There are oh, there are over two hundred and fifty explosions. Just, so you may have hit it right on the nose. Is that just good old American fire explosions, or does that count nano future disease weapon? Explosions? I'm not sure. Okay, it's not. It's I mean, not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change anything about this movie. Uh, I just won't ever watch, watch it. Or <laughs> never watch it. <laughs> <And there's, laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, what color would you like to paint that barn? Okay, it's, it's on fire. Yeah. What color would you like to paint it? I'll just leave it alone. <laughs> I don't. I don't, uh, I don't want to paint it. Do you have your closing thoughts before I go with mine? I'll, yeah. I don't think this movie has been out long enough for it to hold up or not hold up. Uh, but I think in another five years we could have this conversation and I could say that it's still a piece of crap. <laughs> um, but for what it is, it works, you know. I mean, it's mindless. You could follow the story, kind of, if you don't have to think too hard about it. And, but yeah, as as man, they spent a lot of money on this movie. As a kid, I, I mean, is there any shot that they sh- that they is there any frame? Is there any scene that they shot that did not have any type of special effects post production done on it? Oh, I doubt it. I doubt it too. It's amazing how probably much the motorcycle scene they spent that bitching motor that that very touching motorcycle scene through the cemetery probably didn't have any CG. Maybe the rain was CG. I don't know. Um, yeah, the they use a machine. As as a kid, I'd rather have played uh, with the figures and watched this movie. And as an adult, I would rather play with the figures and watch this movie. Um, the whole third act is just Star Wars. They, uh, <laughs> they get in their little ships underwater. Oh, get this! I remember reading something Star. else is that. Summers wanted to make the underwater battle sequence similar to like a Thunderball. <laughs> yeah, wow. It's it's Thunderball and a New Hope. That's a new Thunderball. But taking all the bad parts out of both and then like the elongating it <laughs> and then throwing in a bunch of action figures. And then the classic blat blat laser sound G.I. Joe had. Uh, my my final thoughts were G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra is a movie. <laughs> I was not going to follow it with what you were going to say. There's nobody really like, Gina Joe, <laughs> Rise of Cobra is a movie. It's a shitty, shitty movie. G.I. <laughs> no. Joe, Rise of Cobra is a movie. It's a movie with wall-to-wall action where the characters are many and the development of each of them is few. Any moviegoer, no, any moviegoer knows, this, knows that this formula is... Excuse me, let me start over. Any moviegoer knows that the formula to a good action film requires the viewer to root for the protagonist while still being able 
to uh, check reality at the door. Unfortunately, it's difficult to care about your hero if you don't really know who your hero is. Or, or like why, him. yeah. <laughs> or why he or she is fighting. And while the flashbacks in the film try to force the viewer into understanding the characters and their backstory, it cannot force the viewer to sympathize. G.I. Joe also fails on the villain's ultimate goal. What exactly does Cobra Commander want? Are they a terrorist organization? Yes. Their endgame, however, seems clear as mud. The finale also leaves the viewer, if still engaged by that point, completely unsatisfied. The studio was so certain that this will be the first chapter in their next multi-billion dollar franchise that it delivers an unsatisfying climax rather than developing a decent beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. I mean, the ending happens so quickly. It's like they're like, "Oh, you captured us. We're off. You and what army? My army." <laughs> and then all the little sub machine, uh, submarine mini subs all show behind him, and then suddenly they're both captured. And then it's, "Hey, they put that guy in the White House," and totally forgot about that storyline. <laughs> yeah, that's. Where I finish, where I finish with it is uh, Zartan. For God's sake, he goes all Darth Maul with the double-bladed katana, and it's funny because Ray Park actually played Darth Maul and he played Snake Eyes. Guys. But uh, yeah, this the movie is this movie Mask. is dumb. It's not as dumb as Masters of the Universe because uh, Masters tried to play it straight, and GI Joe at least knew its material and kind of just played it up and had thirty years to think on it before sure, making sure. it. Or at least what twenty five. And I wrote, I wrote uh, in reference to the guy in the White House. I was like, "Oh, a plot twist!" Nope, still dumb. That movie sucked. I don't ever want to talk about it again. I'm glad it's over with. I'm um, glad this episode's over with because we don't have to talk anymore about this GI Joe. Um, next week's episode is an American Werewolf in London, the John Landis classic, paired with Silver Bullet. Where we get to see uh, Corey Haim play a paraplegic in a motorized uh, <laughs> a freewheeling uh, death like, machine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So that's that's next time. Guys. GFB, I haven't seen either of those movies. I'm still I'm still heart hurt from GI Joe, um, <laughs> American Werewolf in London, and Silver Bullet. If you haven't seen those and you want to watch them and try to follow along. Till then, we'll see you then. Yep. Yeah.